0: R.C. Top 3, a weekly podcast of the top three stories from Regnum Christie. Lent is a gift. As we enter the back half of Lent, I'm posting a reflection I wrote for our Lumen group on the night before Ash Wednesday. Good time to go back to those resolutions we made then, and recommit ourselves to finishing strong. In our busy and hectic lives, it's often easy to develop bad habits and or to fall into doing things that, as a minimum, have a big opportunity cost in terms of improving our relationships with the people that matter most, our family and wives and God. The Church gives us Lent not to torture us or make us miserable, but rather to make us better. Better in self-control, necessary for fasting. Better in speaking to and listening to the voice of God, key to prayer. And better in Christian charity, the root of almsgiving. So, rather than to pick a Lenten resolution out of thin air, better to pick a resolution in each of the three areas that addresses a particular weakness that we have been struggling with. With God's help, we can all exit Lent and enter Easter, a little bit better followers of Christ from the new habits we build on in Lent. 1. Self-mastery is a process, not an endpoint. Rembrandt's Aristotle with the Bust of Homer depicts Aristotle, or maybe one of us, choosing between virtue and the good life. Interestingly, Rembrandt paints his face in such a way that the viewer can't figure out which choice he's about to make. As I've studied this painting over the years, I've come to realize that this is actually Rembrandt's point. A life of virtue is a struggle. Every day, we are confronted with decisions for virtue or not. It's why we need to use Lent to tune up our skills in self-mastery. Virtue is not an end point we just get to and are finished, but it's a lifelong struggle, one we can only hope to win with help from our God and His grace. 2. Prayer requires silence. The painting of Elijah at the cave spoke to us of the need for silence to hear God's voice. Too often, we are expecting him to announce himself with a bolt of lightning or a dramatic event or tragedy where he can show his stuff. Other times, We drown him out because we are so busy talking, telling him what we need and what he should do. To hear God's voice, we need, like Elijah at the cave, to settle down, find a quiet place, and just listen. 3. Charity Requires Digging Deep The painting of the Good Samaritan gave an example of charity that resonates. The Good Samaritan helped the roadside traveler to a degree that was well beyond a minor inconvenience, It took a great personal risk, a lot of physical and emotional strain, a good deal of time, and yes, a blank check in terms of money. This was not a simple quick and easy check-off of the charitable box for the day. This was a total giving of self. That's the kind of love we need to practice this Lent. Resolution Each of us will develop our own resolutions for Lent that will help us address some of the weaknesses or bad habits that we need to get better in. As a group, we all agreed to listen more in prayer, and specifically, to spend five minutes each day completely silent, listening for the voice of God. A good way to get better at this is to read a scripture reading for the day, and then silently listen for what God is telling us in that reading for the next five minutes. New Essay explores the RC call to be contemplative and evangelizing contemplative and evangelizing apostles of the kingdom with the heart of christ is a new essay available for free in ebook format that dives into a charismatic trait of all regnum christi members being contemplative and evangelizing statutes of the regnum christi federation number 20 this duality is not just one particular characteristic among many others of the way a regnum christi member lives and acts it is a vital attitude that permits us to know, love, and follow Christ the Apostle, and allow Him to transform us. It is the path to make our own, the spiritual characteristics and the missionary lifestyle, which are expressed in the second chapter of the Statutes, Spiritual Foundations, and the first article of the third chapter, Principles of Apostolic Action. This new essay explores how being both contemplating and evangelizing are not two competing activities that divide up the day, with time carved out for one and then for the other. Instead, those called to the Regnum Christi charism are meant to be both contemplative and evangelizing throughout every act of their life, because both aspects come together in a single way of being, an existential attitude, a way of life. The two traits are not only inseparable, in fact, one is always contained in the other. The Apostle of the Kingdom cannot be evangelizing without being contemplative, nor be contemplative without being evangelizing. The statutes of the Regnum Christi Federation explain this part of the charism in number 20. We are contemplative and evangelizing. 1. Contemplative. Because we discover Christ's presence and love in our own hearts, in our neighbor and in the world. We seek to be men and women of interior life, lovers of prayer, and we recognize the primacy of God's action in our growth in holiness and in the apostolate. 2. Evangelizing, because, driven by the desire of Christ to enkindle the fire of the Father's love in all hearts, we live as missionary disciples who seek to proclaim the kingdom and bring the light of the gospel to everyone. This is the fourth in a series of essays from the Regnum Christi General Directorate's Life and Mission Department that explore how Regnum Christi members live their charism. The other three are 1. The Regnum Christi Identity, according to the statutes of the Regnum Christi Federation, is an essay that reflects on what it means to live the mystery of the life of Christ and make it present in the world, and about the particular mystery of Christ's life that the Regnum Christi Identity springs from. It also contains three concept maps and an infographic. It was created by the Life and Mission Division of the General Directorate of the Regnum Christi Federation, with the intention of helping us to go deeper in understanding the charism while praying with the Word of God. It is available in English and Spanish. 2. Live the Mystery of the Kingdom is a second essay that continues from the Christi Identity and focuses more specifically on the mission of making the Kingdom present in one's own life, in the hearts of others, and in society. It includes workshops and questions for reflection, that help us understand how to live this mystery concretely. It's available in English and Spanish. 3. The Pledge of Friendship with Christ and with Each Other ECYD, the Regnum Christi Charism Lived by Adolescents In Regnum Christi, we have always considered ECYD to be a part of our spiritual family. This essay, then, is directed to all of us, those who have had contact with ECYD and those who have not, or had it a long time ago, to all who want to find light in the mystery of Jesus Christ, who comes out to meet us and invites us to live as his friends and apostles. In the following pages, we share the thoughts of the different territories five years after the publication of the CYD statutes. Themes for upcoming essays include The Encounter with Christ and How to Live the Regnum Christi Charism as a Married Couple. A football analogy for Lent? Father Stephen Riley answers some questions to strengthen your spiritual game plan. Do you not know that the runners in the stadium all run in the race, but only one wins the prize? Run so as to win. Every athlete exercises discipline in every way. They do it to win a perishable crown, but we, an imperishable one. Thus, I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight as if I were shadow boxing. No. I drive my body and train it, for fear that, after having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24-27 1. Father Stephen, are you really going to use a sports analogy for this discussion? Absolutely! Using sports as an analogy goes back to St. Paul. So we can talk about getting into the end zone in football as being analogous to getting to the end zone in life. Heaven. And in life, as in football, you can decide to go about things consistently or throw caution to the wind and gamble. 2. In football, the biggest gamble is the Hail Mary Pass. Where does that term come from? Well, I have to look this up in Wikipedia. It seems the term became widespread after a December 28, 1975 NFL playoff game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings. When Cowboys quarterback Roger Staubach, a Roman Catholic, said about his game-winning touchdown pass to wide receiver Drew Pearson, I closed my eyes and said a Hail Mary. 3. What is the Catholic spiritual life version of the Hail Mary pass? It would be the deathbed conversion. Certainly they can happen, and they are beautiful when they do. It worked for the famous actor John Wayne, who had married a Catholic but never converted until the very end. On May 14th, 1979, Michael, Wayne's son, asked his father if it would be okay to have Archbishop Marcos McGrath come and visit. Wayne said yes, and the two men spent an afternoon together talking. Wayne agreed that day to call for a priest before he died. Duke had often joked with his family that he was a cardiac Catholic, that at the last minute he'd call in a priest. Now he made that promise. Two days before he died, Wayne, in tremendous pain, agreed when his son Patrick asked him if they should call the priest now. Yeah, said Duke, I think that's a good idea. Father Robert Curtis, UCLA Medical Center chaplain, arrived. He baptized the dying man and administered last rites. That night, Wayne fell into a coma. I don't know the technicalities of the church or what constitutes a conversion, said Michael, but Dad did die in the church. 4. What can we learn from that example? Never give up praying for your loved ones. But nobody would put money on someone who chose the Hail Mary pass as their strategy. We need to consistently put that ball between the posts and pass the goal line. 5. Okay, so where do we start? In football, it starts with a solid ground game, consistently blocking and moving the ball. The spiritual ground game is being in the presence of God. It means saying short, simple prayers, maybe 50 a day, and keeping an ongoing conversation with God. It doesn't have to be complicated. Glory be, Hail Mary, Our Father, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. 6. There has to be more to it than that. Absolutely. In football, you need a solid passing game, plays that can move the ball for big yardage. The spiritual passing game is the Eucharist. Life is different for the person who lives in the Eucharist. His soul is stronger. He is more like Jesus. He is completing more passes. And finally, that leads to some big plays. 7. And that's it? Not quite. In football, a successful team knows when it needs a timeout to evaluate the situation and recharge. And in the spiritual life, the timeout from the rush of the secular world is essential. 8. What does a spiritual timeout look like? This is a time set aside for self-examination and reflection. There are three primary tools. Confession, spiritual direction with a competent person who can help you discern God's will in your life, and a retreat where you can get away from the world and, perhaps, have confession and spiritual direction. It is great if you can do this for a week, but for most people that is really difficult. So try a weekend, a day, or even an evening And if you can't literally get away, look at the online retreats at the Regnum Christi Spirituality Center. For more resources, visit www.regnumchristi.org or download the Regnum Christi English app today.